0: Now we're turning to God's Word this morning and we're turning to Matthew chapter 24 and then we're going to some verses from uh, Isaiah and I want you to open your Word and I want you to open the Word and I want you to uh, read with me and ask the Lord to speak to you uh, this morning. ask the Lord to minister into your heart today. We've come to hear from God, not from men. Oh, we're tired Listen to men. We need God to speak and to minister to us. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, this great prophetical chapter just before the Lord went to the cross. And we're going to read a few verses down to verse 8. Chapter 24 of Matthew and verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Now, that's a very, very powerful statement. He's separating himself from the organized religion. Twice in his ministry, he cleansed and purged the temple. At the beginning, at the end, he told them that it was a house of prayer, and they made it a house of a den of thieves, and he drove them out. But now he's out himself, and he has brought his disciples out with him. And we need to come out from the religious organizations. We need to come out for God in these last days. We need to stand firm for God. The Lord came out and never went back. He told them. He told them that in a few years the place would be destroyed and not one stone would be left upon another. And he took his disciples with him. And he and the disciples came out from the organized religion of the day and pronounced judgment upon it because a new thing was going to happen. And I believe a new thing is going to happen today. And verse 1 says, And the disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? They were all taken up with the building, the lovely Great temple that Herod built for are all taken up with it. We can get taken up with buildings. We can, take, we can get taken up with organizations and denominations and taken up with men. God says, get your eyes off them. We need to get our eyes off all these things. And he said unto them, see ye not these things? And I say unto you, there will not be here one stone upon another. That shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? That should be the end of the age. And then he gives the explanation to them. And uh, he gives that mighty explanation. And he says, What's going to happen in these days in which we live, these very days, my friend, in which you and I are in this morning, there, they're there. And ye shall hear, verse 5 For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive men. And ye shall hear of wars. Boy, oh, we we're hearing of wars uh, trade wars, cold wars, atomic wars. All sorts of wars. Uh, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Oh, you only had to look at the news and see America rising up against their own people. Nation against nation. It's widespread, kingdom against kingdom, civil distress and civil wars. We're in the midst of these days, as far as the Lord as the Lord says here, and there shall be famines. You Google up sometime how many famines there is at this moment, and how many thousand children are dying every day from famines. It's not God's fault, it's the fault of greedy men. Famines, and famines and pestilences, don't miss that word and plagues, and viruses, and pandemics. It's all in that word. The Lord told us these days would come, and they've come upon us very suddenly. And earthquakes in different places all at the one time. Google again sometime and find out how many earthquakes there was last week, and it will surprise you. No reporting of them. All these are the beginning of sorrows. All these, these eight things, there's about eight things here. Some can count less, some can count more. There's about eight things here, and he says, when these eight things, when you see them coming to pass, that's the contraction pains. Because that's what that statement in verse 8, they're the beginning of sorrows, they're the final pangs. Before birth comes. We're in the last days. These are the final hours. All hell has broke loose. The final pangs of the deliverance. Where we're going to be delivered as the children of God. Will be taking us out of this old sinful world. And then we'll be home and safe. Him. Turn to Isaiah chapter 26, please. Take your time now and get the place. The 26th chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah was 700 years before the Lord was born and crucified and wrote these things. Says here in Isaiah chapter twenty six, he comes in, we come in behind the last verse, the beginning of sorrows, the beginning of the travailing and the contractions of the last days in this earth. He says, like as a woman, verse seventeen, like as a woman with child that draweth near the time of her delivery is in pain and crieth out in her pangs that's some word so have we been in thy sight O God now only you mothers know what we're talking about here the rest of us know nothing about it. verse 18 we have been with child we have been in pain Notice the we have. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not wrought any deliverance in the earth. Neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen. And there's an awesome change in this man's tone and victory when we come to the verse 19. Thy dead men shall live together. With my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust, for thy dew is as the dew of the herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. And you'll note you get the word dead three times there, and twice they're different words. Verse 20 Come, my people. That's what God's taking. My friend, we're not in the tribulation, nor are we going through the tribulation. God's going to take us out, and He's going to hide us for the wrath that's coming. And he says here in verse 20, Come, my people, enter into thy chamber, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation or the wrath be passed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood, and shall no more cover her slain. I'll tell you, everything will come out into the open on that day, and all these smart boys, clever boys, everything will be revealed on that day. And we know that God will bless to us the public reading of his word. Whenever God wants to illustrate, demonstrate, get a message into the hearts and minds of his people and to the church. In times of affliction and in times of crisis and in times of sorrow, he uses the metaphor, the image and the symbol of a woman in childbirth. At least 12 times in the word from seven different writers, He uses times of crisis and times of sorrow as travail, as pangs, as anguish, as groanings, as sorrows. Twelve times. And most of them have to do with the last days and the end times. The judgment that's coming Proceeding the tribulation and during the tribulation is like unto a woman in travail and pain and anguish and sorrow given birth. Now well, the Lord Jesus told us that in Matthew 24 in that last verse that we read. That's what he likens it to these days. Travail. Paul speaks the same and The psalmist speaks the same and Micah speaks the same. And Jeremiah five times likens the sorrows and the sins and the iniquities and the groanings of the last days. Because he was himself, of course, the weeping prophet. But here in Isaiah 26 and 7 verse 17, if you look at that verse, we have a graphic illustration of childbearing. It's referring in history to the children of Israel in captivity. They were under the pressure, under the burden of the Assyrians. It speaks of history, but it speaks of prophecy. For in those last verses we read, we read about the tribulation period that's coming upon the world and the revelation when our God will come back to judge the world. It's all there. It's all in those verses. You study them, you look at them, you see them. So there's an the illustration in verse 17. Now Here's what caught my attention powerfully as I read through, and I believe God showed me this passage. In verse 18, we have the frustration. The frustration. Here the prophet is saying, and the people are saying, We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not wrought any deliverances in the earth. Neither have the inhabitants of the world falling. Our pain, our sorrow, there's nothing happening. He's speaking about the nation. He's speaking about the people of his day. But my friend, how it describes the state of things around us this morning What frustration there is this morning! What delusion there is this morning! And there's a woman groaning in sorrow, groaning in pain, groaning in anguish. Romans 8 tells us that the whole creation groaneth, travaileth, waiting for the release, for the redemption of the body. And there's a groaning right across the earth, Wherever you go this morning, in the lands of the sea, wherever you might go this morning, there's a groaning under this pestilence, under this virus, under this, call it the biblical name, plague. Call them biblical names or plagues and pestilences that Jesus said would come in the last day. And every corner of the universe is rolling and groaning and crying this morning. And people are dying this morning. And men are confused and they're deluded and they're frustrated and they don't know what to do. What to do? The uncertainty, the instability, the intensity and the immensity of the birth pangs. And they get worse. Isn't that right, Mother? They get worse and they get worse and they'll get worse before deliverance comes. The pangs and the pain. But then when deliverance comes, but then when the deliverance when the, there comes a time when the travailing and the pain and the anguish and the sorrow is over and the weeks and months of sickness and whatever went with it is all over. Jesus here's what Jesus says for the hour come when you're delivered of the child that she will remember no more her anguish, for the joy of a man child is born. That's where we are in this chapter. In anguish and pain and sorrow, and then suddenly, suddenly something happens, suddenly there's deliverance, suddenly there's blessing, suddenly there's victory, and they don't even remember the pain. It was all worth it. You know, it's a bit just in passing, can kind I of say, it's just life, isn't it? Sorrows, trials, death, sickness. Ah, but there's days of praise and. There's days of joy, and it's not all like that, sure it's not. And weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. But the thing that struck me about this passage, this verse here, is the contraction pains, the anguish, the sorrow that we're not able to bring to birth. It must be an awful thing. I I don't know how you could explain it, to have pains like this, And groanings like this. And they go on. And they go on. And they go on. Mother, they go on. You know very well that it's going to end very soon for you. But it went on and on and on. And they weren't able to do anything about it. Anything they did was just wind. There was just rhetoric. There was just talk. We can't do anything. We can't do a thing we're not they haven't wrought anything there's no deliverance coming the inhabitants of the world and the gentiles and the sinners and those around us he says have not fallen they're mocking and laughing at us and we're burdened and we're crying and we're and we're pleading and we're weeping and nothing's happening all our efforts and all our advances are just like the wind Oh, how I can write this verse this morning with a heavy heart over our province, over our nation, over our government, over our leaders. Billions and billions and billions of pounds are pouring out billions of it to try to stop a plague that they can't stop. Scientists, the greatest brains and professors and all the politicians of the day and all the big think tanks of the day. It's just wind. They can do nothing about it. And it's time they admitted that they can't do anything about it. They can lock down and they can shut down and they can stand down and they can stand on their head for all we care. But it's not working. It's not working. And I'm going to tell you why this morning. It's not working. We can sanitize, we can social distance and do those things surely, and masks and wear them if you want to, and curfews, but it's not working, not working. There's no hard and fast evidence that anybody can supply that is staying or starving this plague, this worldwide epidemic, this pestilence that Jesus said would be one of the marks of the last day. When in God's name. And I'm saying this out of a burdened heart this morning. For God knows I have prayed and searched my heart over this message. When in God's name will we come to our senses that this battle is a spiritual battle? The very first message of lockdown preached outside this church, that I knew as much as I knew now I wouldn't went out. Preached out on the steps of that church, I preached from Psalm 78, and I said, this is a thunderbolt from heaven. Do you remember that? A thunderbolt from heaven. This is God shaking the heavens to get the attention of the people. But it's not working. But it'll work yet. It'll work yet. When are we going to realize that this pestilence, this plague, this epidemic will not by buy, buy the might or the power of men. Education. Education. There's nothing wrong with it. I wish I had got more of it. Education. Didn't, did you hear what the, some of them boys up in Stormont said? The worst thing that anything can happen in the land is to close the schools or the university. Where was the voice that came out to say, the worst thing that we can done in the land is to close the church? Education. Sanitize, but no Savior. Masks, but no Master. Close the place of worship. Only let so many in. You can jog and you can run and you can cycle as far as you like, as far as I can hear. But don't come into the house of God together to pray. I say this this morning. I object with all my being to the ecumenical apostate church and the ungodly authorities that class the church and frame the church of Jesus Christ as not essential. The church that he purchased with his own blood. The church for which he hung stripped naked on the cross of Calvary for our sins. The work of the cross that have saved billions and billions and billions and only for it you wouldn't be here. How dare they say it's not essential? And don't listen to them. This is the most essential place that we could be. And every evangelical church across the land, of course, are that divided and they're fighting that much. Every evangelical God-fearing man should be gathered every. The church should have their lights on day and night and they should be crying unto God to stay the plague in the land. There's no sign of that. But it could come. And God will bring us to our very knees. I object this morning that the church of Jesus Christ, the Savior that saved me from a drunkard, and from lies and deceit who set me free. And my dear wife, and I, I refuse to say that it's not essential to meet in the house of God. And I, I refuse to comply with the ungodly authorities that we can't gather around the Word of God in the house of God. My friend, our God will protect us. He will protect us. We have had hundreds and hundreds of meetings since June, five a week in this house since June. Not one person, not one mother, father, or child went into the hospital from this house with COVID. We have put no strain on the NHS whatsoever. Our God protects us, and he will. I refuse to say that the word of God is not essential in the house of God in these days. I refuse. The word that he has revered above his name, the word that he has settled in heaven, the word that is a lamp onto our feet and a light onto our path. We are told that we cannot come in in numbers and open it. We can and we will. Amen. And the day that the authorities stopped that, uh, someone prayed in the prayer meeting the other night, Lord, make this church an invisible church. God help us, did you ever hear a hear prayer like that? Are we in Russia, in China? An invisible church that the authorities will not see. If they can see, if they like. This is the house of God. This is the word of God. This is the answer to the problem. Where are these men in Stormont that are big Bibles? Where are they all? Where are they not coming out and saying, we need God and we need a day of prayer and fasting and waiting? Not a bit sign of them. Not a bit sinus. Isn't it a sad day in her land, in her church, in England, Scotland, when the Roman Catholic Church, the Jews, the Muslims, the Hindu, the Sikhs, the Pentecostals, all wrote a joint letter to the Prime Minister, please keep the churches open. One hundred and seventy thousand signatures. And what are the so-called Evangelicals in Ulster that? Lecture to us all down the years, what do they say? Close it. But they're telling us this morning, that's what's happening out there this morning. Close it, mask up, shut up and close up. Don't sing and don't shout and don't praise. God's not able to look after He is. It's time that there's a remnant who stood. I'm an old man, I'll be 75 in July, 33 years here, and I believe that God has kept me here for this hour. And I believe every promise that he gave me 33 years ago is going to come to pass. I believe it with all my heart and all my soul. It's time that a remnant took their stand. This time we had men that stood out with, like Luther. He says, I can do no other, only stand. And Athanasius, that old mighty servant, that old mighty man of God, that said to him one day, the whole world is against the Athanasius. Well, you tell them that Athanasius is against the whole world. This pandemic... This pestilence, this plague, the sweeping with ferocity, and there's three strains of it now, and there could well be another one. They think another one in which there will be no vaccine for. What are you going to do then? When God tightens in, friend, are you going to leave it too late? Are you going to, Christian, I'm speaking to you, are you going to leave it too late to your child's struck intensive care? Will you run praying then. Oh, well, I pray for me. Pray for us. Well, you need to pray for yourself now. This is a serious hour, this is a crisis hour. When the people recognize that the judgment of God is upon the nation and that a merciful and long-suffering God has time and time and time again spoken in grace and in love, what is the 30, 40 years of murder and bloodshed God spoke? We need to put aside our petty doctrines and we need to stand together. In Hosea chapter 5, I was reading the other day where God said to Hosea, blow the trumpet and sound the alarm to the priests first. The priests first. The ministers, the pastors, and the elders and the people of God. Judgment begins in the house of God and the people, and then the king, the nation. And he says, you can bring all your herds, and you can bring all your sheep, and you can bring everything, hundreds and thousands to the altar every day, but I'll not see them, nor I'll not accept them. Until you get right. Then he says this. He says, I will withdraw myself from you. Until. You read it in the end of chapter 5 of Hosea until you acknowledge your sin and you repent and you return and then I will come and bless. We need repentance. We need brokenness. We need mourners in Zion. Mourners in Zion. Don't you think? Don't you think for one moment that this nation is going to get away with murdering two many many have it down here more two hundred thousand children last year in the womb. And 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 I was reading up on it, and many of them wee things in the womb, writhe with pain. As they have to cut them up to get them out and they suck them like you suck the dirt out of the car with a vacuum. Do you think that we get away with this? Do you think we are getting away with this? Education of the children. What about the annihilation of the children? About the destroying of the wee ones. Legally, eight million from 1967 from the Act. Eight million in Britain. Hitler only claimed six. And you don't mention his name. It had six million. You don't mention his name. It's time to wake up. Time to wake up. I was reading there some days ago. A professor, an abortionist, they searched his house. They got two thousand two hundred baby parts in different parts of the house. He got a suspended sentence for 2,200 baby parts cut up. He got a suspended sentence for, Mother, you smack the hand of the child and tell him the gears and the sodomites are sinful. They'll take the child from you. That's the day we're living in. That's the hour. In the hour we need a voice. We need to stand We need this room packed on Monday night and Wednesday night and Friday night and we need to move out into this church and we need to cry and we need to howl between the porch and the altar and we need to weep and we need to mourn and we need to hold on to God. That's the day we're living and it has come upon us so fast. So fast. And we'll be dealing with some of that next week. Oh boy, it has come with speed. Must be. Don't you think that we get away with the sodomites and the transgenderism? Hundreds of chain sex, sex operations are going on even through the COVID. 40,000 pounds each, and they're still going on for the National Health Service. Same-sex marriages were legalized in Northern Ireland, and there's hardly a voice raised against it. And Mr. Conor Murphy says it's an exciting day. I'll tell you it's an expensive day. An exciting day. And it's such an exciting day that we'll waive their fees for the marriage certificates. And for a whole year every sodomite that gets married they don't have to pay the fee. We have a wee couple getting married here and there and they had to pay £40. I have to pay it this week. We Christian couple. It's time to wake up now it's time to wake up that's the illustration and that's the frustration but I want to finish with this because there's jubilation that would be an awful way to end wouldn't it we'll have to end up with the jubilation look at verse 19 keep your bible if you haven't it open I'll give you a minute to open it again because it's the word of God that needs to speak to us it's not men it's not what I say it's what the word of God says Isaiah 26 and verse and verse 19. we'll maybe deal with these other verses next week. Verse 19, it says this: "The dead men shall live together with my dead body shall they rise." I haven't time to analyze that verse, but I'll do a wee bit of it before we close. "Awake and sing. Ye that dwell in the dust for the Jews is the dew of the herbs. The Jew is the Holy Ghost." The Jew comes in the morning, hallelujah, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Dead, 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 three times you have dead. But here we have moved from this pangs and these sorrows and this pain, just as the woman moves from the travail to the deliverance. Just as the mother moves from the anguish and the pain and the tears and the sorrow to the joy of a child being born. If he gets all the rest, it seems that that's the way here. See, there's jubilation. Life has come. You can look at these verses yourself. Life has come. Birth has come. Resurrection has come. Joy has come. The dead men live. Friends, this speaks here of salvation and regeneration. I believe, and you know, right across, I'm hearing of great things happening. I'm hearing of souls getting saved here and there in these days. And it rejoices my heart. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespass and in sins. Sinner, hear this morning that you're not saved. He or she that liveth in pleasure is dead while they live but he can quicken you and he can save you and give you life this morning. Life, life, abundant life. Jesus alone is the giver. The verse tells us the dead shall live. That's the dead spiritually shall live. Adam and Eve sinned against God. And uh, he says thou shalt die, but they didn't die spiritually, they didn't die Uh, spiritually, they died physically. And I find we're going to die physically, but listen, today, now, listen, there's life. There's power. You can get saved this morning. You can pass from death unto life. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Hear, and your soul shall live. Keep on praying. Listen, keep on laboring. Keep on travailing. Keep on for that son. Keep on for that daughter. Keep on for that brother. Keep on for that mother. Keep on for that granny. Keep on travailing and praying and crying. There's going to come birth. Life. Power. Going to come. And I look around this congregation and hear men and women in this place pray and sometimes I think of the nights we spent in prayer for them. I do. And I meet people that we prayed through for. And I'm glad that we kept at the praying and the the travailing and the holding on when nothing seemed to be happening. And we're not able to do anything. And it seemed as if there was only wind at times and there was nothing happening. Suddenly God came. He'll do it again. Don't you give up now. Don't you give up for that wee lad of yours. Don't give up for your grandchildren. Don't give them up. Don't hand them over to the devil. Stand in the gap and cry and call and pray for them. That they'll be delivered from darkness into light and into life and into the marvelous light of the glorious gospel. Quickly, there's not only regeneration here and uh, salvation, there's rapture and resurrection. You say to me, where's the rapture here? I tell you, it's full of it. It's full of it. Read the verse. Awake and sing. Ye that dwell in dust for the Jews as the dew of the herbs and the earth shall cast out the dead. Go before the bear. first part of the verse. Dead men shall live together with my dead body. Shall they arise? Listen. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Hallelujah. Isaiah says he's going to rise. He says, we're going to rise together. The Lord Jesus Christ, he has arose. Hallelujah. We're going to rise someday. The trumpet's going to sound some of these days. Glory to God. And the travailing will be over. And the pain and the tears and the sorrow and the death and the funerals. We family that can't get in to see their mother dying. Joe can't get in to see his father dying. But I tell you, there's coming a day when the dead in Christ shall rise and they'll come up out. I tell you, he's going to burst the clouds some of these days. He's on his way back. He's going to take us out and he's going to bring us in and he's going to hide us until the wrath is over. You can believe it or not. Tell me something else then. To the indignation is past, and then he's going to come. When he gets us in, he's going to pour. But I tell you, it's bad now. What's it going to be like when the Holy Spirit, when these prayer meetings and all the prayer meetings that are going up and down the land and across the country, where is it going to be like then when the salt is gone, the salt is lost, is and the salt is gone, and the light is gone, and the spirit is gone? It's over to one man. And he's alive and well somewhere this morning, and he's just waiting. And that's the Antichrist, and they're all doing everything they can to get him going. They're falling into his hands one after, even the Christians, some of them. They're having a clue. But before he appears, Paul says, I must go. Glory to God. My friend, your your mother's dead body, your father's dead body, your child's dead body, will resurrect in life and power and we shall be forever with the Lord. What a mighty hope. Remember Job. Oh, I was thinking of Job this morning. I know that my redeemer. Do you know that Job was the oldest book in the Word of God that was penned? Come in about Genesis chapter eleven. Come in before sacrifices or anything. It's the oldest book in the canon of history that was written, first book. You remember what Job said? I know. How did he know? He had no gospel. He had no table. He had no evangelist. He says, "I know that my redeemer." Do you know that? If you're in any doubt at all, get right with God today. If you only think you're saved and you made a wee profession when you're a child, get away and get on your knees and cry to God. You mightn't be saved at all. I'm not saying that you can't make a profession when you're a child now. But there need to be fruits. You know, Alan Barclay stood here last Sunday and he said, give us reasons why people were not praying. Scriptural reasons. And I was thinking about it all week, and I thought to myself, it hasn't done one bit of good in some of our people. Maybe it has, maybe you're praying at home. And I know, and I pray for you mothers trying to get children taught and educated at home. It's not easy, and it's not easy getting out, and I know that. And you know that I love you with all my heart, and but oh, my friendless. If ever we needed to cry and call and howl and mourn, we need to do it today. Job says, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And then he says this, Yet, when worms destroy this body, boy, I'll tell you, you would not bother getting any part of Job now. He's certainly back to the dust. But he says, when worms destroy this body, when worms destroy This body, yet in my flesh. Where is he going to get the flesh from? He says, yet in my flesh, I shall see him. (laughs) I shall see him. And he's going to get a new body. That wee baby will get a new body. And all these 200,000 that they murdered last year in the womb, all get new bodies. Glory to God. Your old mother will get a new body. My old mother will get a new body. I never remember anything else with a head of white hair and a broken heart. This is coming. And it's going to come as quick as from verse 18 to verse 19. It could come tonight. It could come today. It says here that the dead will cast up. The dead, the earth will give up the dead and the sea will give up their dead. And those godly men that were fighting in wars and there were many of them, you know, went to war that were God's children and turned, torpedoed and blown up and burnt to bits and crocodiles ate them in the seas. They'll all come up one day. And I me, mean, will you be amongst them? Because if you're not, there's another there's another judgment for you. You're not saved. God help us. I wouldn't want to be one hour. I wouldn't want to go from here to up the lane to the house if I wasn't saved. And the earth shall cast out the dead and we shall sit down with Abraham. The word of God says we'll sit down with Abraham, Isaac, Isaac and in Jacob. Well, we know you should in sitting down with them if you wouldn't know them. we are not going to be blind men and women in heaven. Abram's there. Well, Jesus said that. Isaac and Jacob, all there. And we're going to sit down with them. And you'll sit down with your mother. And you'll sit down with your child. And you'll know them. You'll know them. People said to me, do you think we'll know one another in heaven? Of course we will. The word of God teaches that. I tell you, there's a great day coming for the believer. There's a mighty day coming. Friend, listen, hold on in these last days. Hold on. The pangs will soon be over. And he shall come. And take us out of it all together. But while we're here, we must occupy. We must howl and pray and preach and do what we can. For one day it's going to be worth it all when we see him. Amen.